Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 341. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, a new co-host, Adam Eckerly. Adam, how you doing there? I'm doing well. Thanks, Eric. Uh, great, great, great. Uh, another week. Uh, everybody's pretty busy. I think Ryan is off at some kind of conference. I don't know which conference he's on, but he's out of town. So, uh, so we got you on, Adam. Um, and I think this is the first time you've been a co-host on the Community Podcast. If I were to guess, you haven't done this before, right? Not in the John That's Day? That's right. I've only been on the other uh, side of the wall. Oh, fantastic. Well, here we are. We're, 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 we're a week away from VMworld Europe. A lot of us are going to be traveling uh, starting on Friday, headed over there. I don't know how many of our listeners are out there. Um, thanks to our listeners are watching our numbers. We're still in the um, multiple thousands, which is great. Uh, appreciate you listening. Um, and then on the show today, we have uh, Sachin Sharama. Geez, I'm going to mess that up. But Sachin's on the phone, uh, and we're going to talk to him about uh, end-user computing, what's new in end-user computing, and there's so much new. We're going to do this in two parts. I believe this is part one. So Sachin, welcome to the call. We'll get to you in a little bit. Thanks so much. Yeah, great to have you here. Um, and so the, in the news, uh, of course, we have a lot of news going on right now uh, all around VMworld. And Corey, we have you on the call. Corey, are you heading out to VMworld Europe as well on Friday? I am. I'm leaving on a 725 a.m. flight at an FFO heading to Barcelona. Heading to Barcelona, fly overnight. Awesome. Uh, so VMworld, <laughs> if you have been in a cave in Europe it is the 12th through the 15th. You can still register uh, and come hang out with us and be there. Going to be some cool stuff going on. Um, you know, clearly, the gatherings calendar on VMworld.com is up. And if you want to go there, you just go to VMworld Europe, and you can get yourself registered. You can go to the social community tab and look at the gatherings and see everything that's going on. I think we got all the gatherings up there. Uh, and speaking of gatherings, Corey, the, the expert party has been settled. We know where it's going to be. The registration has gone out, correct? Yes, registration has gone out. Uh, we, you know, we had limited space. Uh, we are going to open up some more, um, some more invites, um, some, so allow us more headcount later this afternoon. Um, so once we do that, I will send out another announcement to the V experts. Um, but yes, that has gone out. It will be Monday night, starting at 7 p.m. And details of where that is is in your email. Fantastic. And so I know that we had like 125 seats that we had paid for at the bar uh, at, the, at the at the place. What's the name of the place? It's something with Elephant. Is that it the, is, is that Elephant. What we ended up on. Yeah, Elephant Restaurant and Lounge Club. Nice. All right. All yeah, right. Nice place. Uh, not is it is it on the promenade um, or is it or is it near the center? I forget which one we ended up with. Yeah, it's it's near the center. It's not too far off of uh, you know the city center area. There. Okay, down down um, down on the boulevard, not out by the conference center. Correct, correct. Right. Okay. So same thing with the Rambo and conference. Right. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And I know we opened up 125 slots, uh, and those filled up right away. And we have a waiting list. So guys are on the waiting list. Do they get called first? Do they get notified that they're, they've been added? Because I know we're adding another 50 or some number of seats in that mix. So we should be we should have some openings now, right? I don't think we have that many on the waiting list. There's right? yeah, there's a handful left right now of openings, and then uh, okay. later this afternoon there will be additional openings as well. Okay, great, great. So we don't actually have anyone on the waiting list at this point, and now we've opened it up for additional, right? Right. Well, yeah, we might have a few on the waiting list. Um, I've got to okay. go and see how many how many more we can open. Yeah, but yeah, we, we should we should be we should be good pretty good. 
All right, great, great. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. I know that the VCDX guys and the uh, NSBU, the network NSXBU, also helped us with some sponsorship on that. They gave us a couple K for to add more seats. So, so good to them. So, okay. Yes, um, thank you. Yep, more in the news. Uh, well, let's see. Anything else on VMworld? Um, clearly, we're doing DevOps. Uh, we've got sessions in Session Builder around DevOps. So if you're interested in learning about Pivotal, Chef, Jenkins, Ansible, uh, we're going to have a DevOps uh, table in uh, Hangspace again with Community Theater. Brown, uh, Brown Bag is going to be there. They're going to be filming and doing live streams. So you can go look at uh, social and community and get a list of where the Brown Bags are. Uh, the, um, and the schedule uh, for the brown bag uh, talks, tech talks is also there, and they have a URL there on the gathering. So if you want to see what the community members are actually going to be presenting and you want to watch them live stream, and in, you're in the U.S., that would be some ungodly time in the morning. You can do that, though, because we are live streaming everything, and we are recording and live streaming the DevOps sessions as well. So if you want to learn about DevOps, you can uh, – Go look at the V Brown Bag schedule, and we'll have those posted as well there. So uh, let's see. What else? Um, I don't know if they announced the band. If they did announce the band, I don't know if it is. But um, you know, there is one. There is a party on Wednesday night. Um, the VMUG is having a gathering as well. So if you're part of VMUG, make sure you come by, say hello, trying to be, be at, at as many places as we possibly can be. Uh, during the show, and we will be in the uh, in the uh, pavilion in the VMware booth, um, giving away selfie sticks. So come by, learn about the social channels, and get your selfie stick at the same time. And take a selfie, and they have additional prizes uh, that are going on with the selfie sticks as well. Um, labs cloud credibility will be in the labs. They will be giving away prizes again, GoPros and so forth. So if you come take labs, come by, say hello to Noelle. She's on the team. Uh, she's going to be manning the booth in the labs. Uh, so we have the blogger tables covered. We've got the solutions exchange with the social media wall covered. We've got the DevOps area covered, and we have the labs covered. So we're going to be all over the place. And it's going to be myself, Tony Dunn, Corey Romero, and uh, Noel Greer. So um, come by, say hello to us, uh, and come by the V-Expert party if you're a V-Expert. If you're not a V-Expert, why not? Um, so, okay, moving through news. Um, before, let's see, we got we a few more minutes on news. Um, VM, let's say VMware earnings announcements is Q3. Earnings announcements is October 20th. There is a call if you want to go to VMware.com and register and hear about our, our amazing earnings. Um, feel free to do that. Uh, amazing is my own color. I don't have any visibility on how our earnings are going to be. So don't go buy or sell any stock based on listening to this podcast. But I would say that we are going to be announcing earnings. Uh, October 20th, um, come by and listen to that call if you want to hear it. It's going to be live streamed. So, Corey, one last thing. What the heck is going on with Apple? I mean, have you tried to sync your iPhone 6 against uh, your Mac? Have you, have you done that lately? You, uh, know what? I, you know what? I have not. Ever since I, I upgraded to iOS 9 and I've had a, a few issues here and there, but I have not tried to do a sync yet. I'm uh, I'm still setting up networks in my house and, and everything else. So to sync it, I, uh, I probably won't do until I get back from parts one. So, so, so I made the mistake mistake of walking. So yesterday I backed up my iPhone. I just decided, you know, I'm going to back it up. And backing up for Apple, it wouldn't work. In the iPhone six, I'm running a Mac OS 10.9, wouldn't back up. Uh, would not back up, wouldn't back up my iPhone, basically backed up parts of the stuff, but wouldn't back up photos, wouldn't back up videos. Videos wouldn't actually run. Uh, you know, like It's just like, it's like it reminds me of the Microsoft days, right, where things in Apple are starting to actually fall apart. And I've seen this now where you know, things aren't working. Now, yesterday afternoon, just as, a, as it turns out, I, just, I decided to go in my jacuzzi, which you know, we have a jacuzzi, and I had my iPhone in my pocket. And I sat down in my in my jacuzzi, and my iPhone, uh, you know, decided sat back and went, "Oh, water! This is great! I love it!" And I heard my iPhone going, "Oh, this is so good!" Right? But then I fell asleep and it wouldn't wake back up. So luckily, I had backed up earlier that morning. I went. <laughs> And I paid, uh, okay. I paid 
I paid three hundred dollars to the iPhone gods. I think all of us have, right? Sooner or later, either broken screen or you know, you decided to give your iPhone a, a nice jacuzzi bath. And uh, I went down, and then I tried to restore. And in order to do the backup, I had to actually go to a Windows Vista machine in my in my office, and I I backed it up on Windows Vista, and that actually worked. It actually backed up. Awesome. I got a backup. I didn't get backup on my Mac, you know, with, with their software. I actually had to go over to Microsoft and use Microsoft to back up my iPhone yesterday morning. But luckily I did because, yay for me, when I decided to jacuzzi my iPhone, I could then go back to my, my Windows Vista and do a restore, which I did. I bought a new phone, $300 to the Apple gods, right? You know, yay for me. Uh, and now I got my phone, try to restore it, and it restores everything, you know, perfect from Vista, great iTunes work there. Um, but then it won't restore the apps because apparently in the happiness of Apple land now, they actually don't back up your, your apps. They actually just go, well, we don't need to back up those apps because we have them in iTunes. Get that? So even though if you back up your phone and it says it's backing it up, it doesn't actually back up everything. It doesn't do that. So there you go. So now I have to sit and wait while my iPhone is chunking along, pulling down, you know, all my apps from the iTunes store, which that's going to take about another three days. So there you go. That's my, that's my desktop. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because today's subject is desktop. What's going on with end user computing and what's going on with uh, end user computing will transition there and say that I got to say that Microsoft announced a laptop today as well. So it's their first Microsoft built laptop. So they, they obviously have the Surface and they've been improving the Surface and moving the Surface forward. Now they've been in, introduced their uh, very first laptop. So it'll be interesting to see how Microsoft's coming up with Steve Jobs dead and Apple kind of losing its way on um, its technology, overextending its reach in software. They remind me of a software vendor that's just bitten off too much and they can't keep it all working. Now Microsoft's coming into the hardware business. It'll be interesting to see how all this plays out, right? Um, and then the desktop world is shifting to mobility, and, and then we have virtual desktops, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and we have um, Adam here on the call. I mean, he's, he's hosting. He's going to do the technical interview. And so I would say that uh, I think we're about ready for that. So let's transition. Uh, Adam, uh, what do you think about uh, the desktop, and what are we going to talk about today? So today we've got Sachin Sharma uh, on the line with us, and he's going to tell us sort of, you know, in, in, in as you said earlier, the, the first part of a of a, at least a two-part installment of what what's kind of new in the VMware end-user computing portfolio. So, you know, as people might be aware, we've of course got um, Horizon View or virtual desktop infrastructure type of product, but we've also got um, a lot of other stuff around that uh, and, and complementing that um, from uh, application deployment technologies to, you know, mobile device management technologies through, you know, our, our acquisition of AirWatch. So uh, I'm really interested to hear Sachin kind of tell us, you know, what's new in the portfolio, where we're kind of at, and uh, you know, where we're kind of headed with all this great technology. So, Sachin, why don't you uh, introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Sachin Sharma. I'm actually part of the uh, end-user computing uh, business unit as uh, working inside of product marketing. I've been with the company for a number of years. I actually came over um, with the Mirage acquisition um, a few years ago. I've uh, been working inside of product marketing for, for a couple of years now. Uh, before that, I was actually in the field as an SE. So, Got a good, uh, uh, you know, um, experience with um, coming from the field and, and being very customer-facing, listening to these community um, podcasts all the time when I was on the road traveling. Um, but now I'm happy to be on the other side and really try to give you more information coming from straight from our uh, BU. That's great. So where do you want to start? Um, do you want to kind of touch on um, an overview of several of the technologies and then kind of dive into to each one? I do, yeah. Um, you know, I, I go through a lot of, uh, of VBCs, these uh, you know, executive briefings um, inside of VMware, and, and most of the time I like to really paint a picture of what we've been doing inside of end-user computing over um, the past two years, really, is when we've really taken off. Um, and I think within those two years, um, what I've been focusing on is a lot of our um, acquired products, such as Mirage, 
such as app volumes, um, user environment manager, and actually even bundling all of these to help um, some of our Citrix customers as well. So um, with that said, you know, we have been making a lot of different innovations, um, either internal, internally or organically, um, as well as a lot of these acquisitions that we've um, packaged up and, and more tightly integrated with our current suite of offerings. So today what I'm gonna, going to be touching on is, is uh, first and foremost is going to be app volumes. I think it's you know, one of the, uh, what I would consider the hotter products inside of end user computing. Um, I think, you know, and just talking to uh, a lot of our uh, field and our partners, it's, it's definitely something that's very enticing for customers. Um, and then I'll touch upon user environment manager, um, which is another acquisition that we made um, a little bit earlier this year and released as a product um, towards the middle of the year. And then finally, I'll touch upon uh, Mirage as well as uh, our Horizon Application Management Bundle. So, um, Adam, do you want me to just kick it off with, uh, with App Volumes? Yeah, let's take a look at App Volumes. And, and by the way, I'll, I'll try to keep my eyes on the chat. So if you guys have questions, uh, you know, just, just type them in there and we'll try to, try to address them as, as we can. All right. Um, so App Volumes, um, just to give you a brief overview of what it is, now, at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty simple. It's a delivery system. I mean, you could uh, re really deliver anything that you want from point A to point B inside of um, virtual desktops is our main use case. And I'm talking about you can deliver you know, files, for example. But, but what we're using it for primarily is delivering applications. When it comes to VDI um, and, and with our announcement of Project A squared, um, potentially to, to physical endpoints as well, we've realized that there was you know, a, a very difficult way to install applications and manage applications. It was a real big headache for a lot of IT folks out there. Um, we wanted to really shift the paradigm of, of installing MSIs on every single desktop and, and, and giving a very non-persistent type of look and feel for the end user, which the end user didn't like because they, they weren't able to install their own user-installed applications. So if IT has you know, Office or Adobe or Firefox that they need to you know, install on inside of their virtual desktops. We definitely had ways, I, I would say, in the, the olden days, I'm doing air quotes here, um, where, you know, we've, we've had technologies such as View Composer, for example, and Link Clones that, that helped with creating a master image. And, and we were trying to help IT really come up with a good way to get down to that single image management and help install applications. But realized that it just really wasn't sufficient enough. And that's why we went out there and we acquired a company called Cloud Volumes last year. So it's been about a year. We released the product um, towards the end of the year. Um, so it's been in the market for about nine months um, within VMware. And it was great for us because it gave us a real-time application delivery system and really shifting the paradigm from installing applications to actually just delivering applications, meaning you don't have to install Office 10 different times on 10 different virtual desktops. Instead, you can install it on just one single, what we call an app stack, which is ultimately just a VMDK or a VHD file that gets mounted to every virtual desktop or user that the uh, that logs into a virtual desktop. So, so it, it definitely is, yep. Sorry to interrupt, but that sounds a lot uh, very similar to uh, one of our other app delivery technologies, uh, FinApp. Can you, maybe now it's not the right time, but can you address sort of compare and contrast the two technologies as you go through your, your app, app volumes explanation? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a, a great question. In fact, probably one of the more popular questions that we receive um, because, you know, FinApp has been a part of our portfolio for a number of years now. And so folks definitely get uh, confused sometimes with, hey, what's going on with FinApp and when you have app volumes inside of your portfolio now? The easiest distinction I can really make there is that ThinApp is really used for application isolation. There are certain use cases that you that ThinApp excels at. For example, if you wanted to run you know, multiple multiple versions of the same application um, within the same desktop, you couldn't do that natively, but you could do that if you virtualize that application uh, using ThinApp. That's just one example. Another example is you know running a, a legacy version of an application inside of a newer operating system. Again, natively, that would be really tough to do. I don't, you know, almost impossible to do. But if you virtualize that application, you can run that inside of a newer operating system. For example, you know, apps that are running inside of IE6, 
that you want to run on Windows 7 or 8.1, um, you could do that with ThinApp. Um, so it's really about application isolation. What App Volumes does, it doesn't really solve the same issues. All it does is deliver applications. So you can deliver applications that you want to natively install, or you can actually put ThinApp packages inside of an App Volumes app stack. So one is more, uh, think about it as a delivery mechanism, a delivery system, whereas the other one is really solving specific use cases in terms of application isolation. And we have some you know, great blogs out there that actually highlight more in depth how both of those can work together, as well as the differences between both that you, know, you can definitely go out there and search on the web. Is that a good uh, explanation? Yeah, definitely. And and there was one other um, uh, question in the chat uh, that maybe you could address. Does app volume, well, what are the requirements for app volumes? Is it Windows only today, uh, or mm -hmm. is there things like Chromebook support? So today it is Windows only, um, and the, the primary use case that we really go after is VDI, um, especially, and it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, Horizon View VDI. It can actually also be Zen Desktop, Zen App. We work well with RDSH desktops or RDSH apps as well. That's going to be the primary use case. And yes, it's only geared towards Windows. And we've looked at a, a few different other operating systems, for example, um, Linux, whether we want to go down that road. That's yet to be determined. But right now, we really wanted to focus on the primary use case when we went to market with this uh, late last year. Okay, great. So how, how has App Volumes evolved since acquisition? Um, we've had a couple of releases, I believe, uh, this year. Um, so what, what sort of changed? What's new? And, you know, I don't know if you can comment on, on sort of where we're headed in a general sense. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been on a pretty rapid um, pace with uh, releasing app volumes. Um, we released version 2.5 three months after we acquired the company last year in December. And uh, that was kind of the, the coming out party for us. And really, it was just a release of the old cloud volumes product, uh, except for it was branded as app volumes and some more tighter integration with our Horizon platform. So that was 2.5 in December of last year. Uh, fast forward a little, a couple of months later, in February, we released another minor version, 2.6, that uh, was really meant for more support for uh, VDI server desktops. So if you wanted um, Windows 2008 um, as, a, as a server platform, but really as a desktop, running as a desktop, then we would be able to support that with 2.6. That was probably the, the, the most major feature that was available in there. Then in uh, 2.7, uh, we released that in April, which gave us support for Citrix Zen App and Zen Desktop's latest versions, which is uh, 7.x. So we always supported 6 uh, before version 2.7 in April, but uh, after version 2.7, we're able to support Citrix Zen App and Zen Desktop 7.x. And that was really you know, meant, meant more for, look, now, we're not abandoning support for Citrix at all. We have a, a lot of customers that are running on the Citrix platform, and, and they're benefiting from using App Volumes on top of Zen App or Zen Desktop. So we just wanted to really reconfirm our standing with the, the 2.7 release. That was April. Um, fast forward another couple of months. In June, we released uh, version 2.9, and uh, the big features in here were really multi-vCenter support. So we have Know, customers that are out there running thousands or tens of thousands of virtual desktops, and you know, we realize that uh, most of the time they're not going to be run, running just one single instance of a vCenter. So we put support in for that, as well as uh, something that we call storage groups support, where you can share uh, different app stacks across uh, multiple vCenter servers. We have support for vSphere 6, and that, that was actually our latest release. We're working on you know, the next version now, um, hoping to have that uh, um, come up soon. Not sure exactly when the date is, but there will definitely be more performance and scalability enhancements in that, inside of that, as well as you know, maybe newer operating systems that we support. So no, no firm date on that, but you can see just by, by the timeline that I've already illustrated here, you know, we released in December, another release in February, another in April, another in June. You know, it's almost like we're past due for one since it's already been two or three months. Great. So um, one, one more thing before we move on. Uh, what are some of the, the primary use cases uh, of app volumes? I mean, clearly, 
um, with the Citrix integration and the, the Horizon integration. I mean, we're, we're deploying apps, but are there specific apps or are customers using app volumes to deploy things like Office or different types of applications? Yeah, so the, the primary use case is, is definitely going to be VDI. That's a, you know, virtual desktops and delivering applications to virtual desktops. I think the, the benefits kind of speak for itself. If you can have just a, a single golden image and then decouple the applications and manage them using app stacks, you can really reduce uh, the storage burden that you have. So no more installing multiple versions of, of the same application across multiple um, operating systems or multiple virtual desktops. So storage savings is definitely huge um, in terms of benefits, and that's the primary use case inside of, of VDI. Um, again, we work on top of Horizon as well as um, Citrix, uh, Zen Desktop. And then the other use case that we're seeing uh, a lot from lately is actually the, uh, the published app arena. So Citrix Zen app has been in, inside of published application space for a very long time, I mean decades now, and, um, and, and it's been very good for Citrix. But we've learned that with app volumes, we can actually help optimize Citrix Zen app, or even RDSH from Microsoft, those types of environments where you know, you can really bring down that template count that you're managing in the back end down to one or two single images by decoupling the operating system. We have you know, customers out there. There's a, a blog that, that we wrote a while back for one of our customers, OGL. They went from managing 40 PVS templates um, down to two because they were able to decouple the apps that they managed compared to the operating system. So we're talking about you know, savings of, if it takes 10 or 15 minutes to update OS patches across these 40 different um, PVS templates, and you can shrink that number down to just doing it twice instead of 40 times, that's a huge time savings for, uh, for customers like OGL. We also have you know, um, other customers, big financial services firm that was uh, able to just use App volume said that dynamically insert applications um, into uh, their virtual desktops instead of creating one big fat single image full of all of these applications that were available. That really helps out you know, from a virtual desktop standpoint, either on top of Citrix or on top of Horizon um, and inside of published applications as well. Okay, great. That's really cool. And then th this is a perfect segue. We had a question uh, in the in the chat about using app volumes for user data. And I suspect that while it may be possible, maybe that's not the best use case for app volumes. And I think the next thing you're going to talk about may be a better use case, but uh, I'd be interested in your comments either way. Yeah, that, that is a great segue. Um, so app volumes, um, just to kind of really back in a little bit, um, technically speaking, uh, we have this concept of an app stack. Um, all it is is you have a provisioning VM in which you hit the record button, you install your applications that you want to deliver, hit, hit stop, and you've got yourself this app stack that really just lives inside of a VMDK file for VMware shops and VHD files for other um, types of environments. All those, they just simply are read mounts that get mounted out onto the virtual desktop that the user logs into. So we can either follow the user around or we can actually attach it to desktop. So a variety of different ways that we can attach. So I bring that up because the key word there is really, it's a, it's a read mount. It's a it read-only disk. But if users actually wanted to install their own applications, they could do that by what we call a writable volume. So within app volumes, we have this read-write disk now, this VMDK or VHD file that we can mount to the user's desktop. So whenever they log in, they, they're thinking they're installing applications on their own, maybe non-persistent virtual desktop, but in actuality, it's actually being routed into this writable volume, so it's a write mount. And within writable volumes, there's a couple of different uh, user profile settings um, that we have set up. Um, I, I believe we have three different um, uh, templates that we have set up, so you can either install just user-installed applications, you can have um, user-installed applications plus settings, or you can have I think the third one is actually escaping me. I'll have to um, uh, follow up on that one. But there's three of them. And, and it was working fine, you know, just in the app volumes paradigm. However, we realized that uh, we really needed to do more in terms of persona. So when it comes to application settings, when it comes to user settings, app volumes wasn't really, um, you know, meeting the, uh, uh, the type of 
requirements that our customers were looking for when it came to, comes to user settings. And that's why earlier this year, just to kind of round out our entire story and really help our customers out, we acquired, acquired a company called Emidio, um based out in the Netherlands. Um, and, and they're actually in the user environment management space, so the UEM space. So you have uh, a few different players in this space. We found out that uh, Emidio was, you know, first of all, great technology. It could scale um, because we have customers in the tens of thousands of, of users range. We needed some, something that could scale beyond our, our normal persona tools. And we needed something that was just drop-dead simple, something that uh, wasn't going to be a big burden for IT to have to relearn, to have to set up on the back end in terms of infrastructure. We just wanted it to be easy to use and scalable. And so that's why we went out, acquired a company, um, small company in uh, in the the Netherlands called Emidio. And we actually did this in February of this year. Um, so at PEX, I believe, um, is when we announced this. And about three months later, we launched it as user environment manager. So we have app volumes now for application delivery and user environment manager now for IT to be able to easily manage user profiles, policies, and settings. Um, we, we've had UEM, um, I, I call it UEM for short, but um, uh, I, get, I get slapped on the hand every, every time I say that, so I'll try to continue to say it as long as possible. User Environment Manager. Um, we've, we released it as version 8.6 earlier this year in April, and then we actually just came out with uh, 8.7 in September. So that's a, a standalone product that's available. And what it is, is, is really pretty simple helps IT manage profiles and policies for users. So think of, you know, all the headaches and horror stories that you've heard of with, uh, with roaming profiles. You know, you have to download this entire profile from, from Windows. Sometimes it takes, you know, a couple minutes, sometimes 10 minutes if you're roaming around different, you know, desktops or virtual desktops. And we help ease that by, by giving IT a way to manage profiles and policies. Very good. So, um, so again, like it was, this is a really recent acquisition in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know how 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 is it evolving? You know so quickly within VMware, and you know what can you speak to as sort of where where we're headed um, with with user environment manager? Try not to use the acronym as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, user Environment Manager, I think it, uh, it, it helps out our story tremendously because of the, the user policies that we can apply, but also the fact that we support multiple platforms. So just like with App Volumes, we can support Horizon, we can support RDSH, Zen Apps, Zen Desktop. We can actually do the same with User Environment Manager, and we wanted to make that clear. You know, User Environment Manager is it's available standalone if you, if you would like to take a look at it, but We've actually bundled all of these together inside of our Horizon Enterprise for our Horizon customers, and then something I'll touch upon a little bit later on, our Horizon Application Management Bundle for our Citrix customers. Um, so um, just to give you a little bit of a timeline on, on User Environment Manager, released it in April of this year, so just about six months ago, version 8.6, um, a little bit more tight integration with Horizon, um, but just really just a, a rebranding. And um, we released 8.7 in September that uh, gave us uh, more functionality for enhancements and scalability for performance enhancements and scalability and support for Windows 10, for example. So staying on top of you know, the operating systems that are coming out there. Um, and it's, it's been great because um, just to give you a little bit of an example of how it can potentially work, a very simple example, and, you know, in case anybody's wondering what exactly is this tool and how does it help me. So a user can log into their physical desktop. They can you know, change, it, change their background. They can change app settings. They can change their user installed settings, all of their profile, et cetera. And it's great. Like me, for example, I, I have my MacBook, and every, every time I put it to sleep or open it up, it's the same exact settings that I'm used to unless I have to, you know, uh, reboot or I have some sort of error on my screen. For the most part, 95% of the time, I can just open up my MacBook and voila, I have the same apps open, the same settings as, as I'm used to. And I love that because I get that persistent and consistent user experience so that I can just be up and running right away instead of having to wait for 
you know, my different settings to persist across this MacBook. Now, that's fine, but um, let's say I logged into my virtual desktop instance once I got um, to a remote location, for example. Once I log into that, wouldn't it be great if all of my app settings, my personalization settings, you know, my, my, my word settings were all following me across all of these different technologies or different um, form factors that I'm actually accessing? And that's exactly what User Environment Manager does. It allows IT to set up, uh, you know, things like inside of Microsoft Word, instead of giving you um, the, the default view, I'm going to go ahead and change the default font. I'm going to change the uh, default view so that you always see a ruler and that it's always at 150% zoom. And that will actually follow, those settings will follow you across, no matter if you log into virtual desktop A, virtual desktop B, whether you access that Microsoft Word application via Zen app or via RDSH app, that actually just follows you all the way around. So very easy to use, very simple to set up. Um, you know, if anybody ever runs a demo of this or a POC, you can have it up and running in a matter of, you know, half an hour or an hour. We have blogs out there that we've written on, on how to actually set this up. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's great for IT because it is simple, but we do have some advanced functionality in it. So, for example, we have this, these features called contextual awareness, meaning IT can set up these triggers, these if-then statements, such that if user A logs into virtual desktop, maybe they'll only be able to see these printer mappings or these network drive mappings, versus if they log into their physical desktop inside of a secure zone, maybe they'll only see different types of printer mappings or different types of network mappings. So IT can really put in these dynamic contextual settings to help with these, these if-then scenarios and we have customers out there that are using this, you know, over in over tens of thousands of, of users that they're, they actually have this implemented in. So definitely scalable, definitely simple to use. And if you want that advanced functionality, I think User Environment Manager is something, uh, you know, a lot of our customers are either looking at or are going to take a look at. That actually does, th those advanced features sound really, really interesting. As I'm kind of you know, brainstorming in my own head, I'm just thinking of scenarios of, of kind of like you said, uh, you know, I, I work with customers that definitely have systems that are in secure areas where they only have access to certain things and, or, or just they're accessing resources in different data centers and to be able to, you know, sort of present them with only the things that are relevant based on where they're accessing things from. I think that that sounds really efficient and actually pretty valuable. So very cool. Um, so what? So you kind of mentioned that some of this stuff is, is bundled together. Um, is that is that the Horizon Application Management Bundle, or is that Horizon Enterprise? Um, how how is that packaged? It's actually both. So Horizon Enterprise does include App Volumes and User Environment Manager. So we definitely wanted to you know, put those into that uh, bundle so that our Horizon customers can benefit from those two technologies. And actually, earlier this year in April, along with our user environment manager release, we actually put together this bundle of products that we call the Horizon Application Management Bundle. And this one's actually specifically targeted for Citrix environments. So if you have Zen App or Zen Desktop, or you know, if you're a partner and you have those types of customers um, that you sell to, um, I think it's something worth taking a look at. The premise is pretty easy. We have these tools like App Volumes and User Environment Manager a few others that I'll touch upon, that, that are designed to help optimize Citrix environments. We have you know, ROI studies out there where we can say, look, you, know, you, you purchased this license for the Horizon Application Management Bundle, and in a matter of six months or a year or however long it might be, you reap the benefits of it because now you're able to easier, you're able to manage your applications easier, you're able to deliver them faster, you're able to save time on managing user profiles, um, and and though that's actually directly correlated to just app volumes and user environment manager. The, there's actually five products that are part of this bundle. So app volumes, user environment manager. We have vRealize for published applications. If anybody is familiar with our vRealize platform, it's, it's really, um, at least on, on the, uh, the monitoring side of the house, um, we, we can monitor published applications through ZenApp. So that's our first kind of foray into 
monitoring um, ZenApp specifically. And it's great for uh, ZenApp customers because for the most part, uh, ZenApp customers are already running on top of vSphere or ESXi. And so we have a VMware product that can help you manage or monitor the entire VMware stack. So you have the infrastructure layer that you can monitor, you know, things like CPU, memory, you know, disk space, disk I.O., et cetera. And then you can just climb up the stack so we can monitor users. What are users exactly doing? How long does it take for them to log on to their virtual desktop or open up their published application? Um, then you continue to go up the stack into applications. What's going on with applications? Are they taking a long time to you know, uh, paint their picture or be remoted into? And then finally, you get to the sessions um, portion of it, which is even more granular, really detailed to the point where um, you can see how long people are spending on published applications, um, you know, different metrics like that to help you troubleshoot and remediate. So that's the third product inside of the uh, management bundle. And just to round it all out, we have our, our what used to be our workspace portal, uh, which is now our identity manager. Uh, this is just a, a simple single sign-on workspace, unified workspace that allows you to access all of your applications. So if you have SaaS-based apps like Salesforce.com or WebEx, for example, you have thin apps. If you have um, Zen app published applications, if you have web apps, all of these can actually be accessed directly from a single interface on any device. So you know, internally inside of VMware, you know, as, as Adam and et cetera will know, we have our own instance of identity manager, which we use. I mean, I personally use it multiple times a day if I need to open up a WebEx, I could just sign on once at the beginning of the day, and I can open up WebEx for the rest of the day. And then I don't have to sign on again to actually access other applications like my Salesforce instance or logging into my virtual desktop. So it's really that, that one-stop shop to access all of these applications. And then finally, as I kind of alluded to already, ThinApp is also included as part of this bundle. So you have yourself App Volumes, User Environment Manager, uh, ThinApp, Identity Manager, and V realized for published applications. So going, going back to the V realized for published apps, uh, is that like a management pack for V realized operations or is it kind of its own self-contained uh, deployment? It is, I, I believe it's just an adapter that uh, ties on top of it. And I think maybe it might be a management pack. It's not, it's, it's not just self-contained, it actually is on top of the entire, you know, the, the V realized uh, whatever you might install. Um, so yeah, definitely not done just by itself. Okay, very cool. Um, and so do you, this, this bundle, do you see, you know, you, you mentioned that it's targeted towards Citrix customers, right? But mm -hmm. um, is it also something, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out where the overlap is between uh, Horizon Enterprise and application management bundle and if, Horizon Enterprise customers already have all of those products, or if they, or if the application bundle would would also make sense for them. Yeah, so it's two different routes. So if if you are a Horizon customer, and um, and you're looking at let's say you're on Horizon Standard, which means you just have VDI in your environment. If you're looking to upgrade to Horizon Enterprise, you get everything that's inside of this Horizon Application Management bundle, um, and and more. You also get uh, vRealize, um, I believe, a plugin for the uh, uh, for VCO, the orchestrator um, component of it, to really bring in that automation. And you also get access to vSAN as well. So I know those two, right off the top of my head, I can remember that are part of enterprise that you get in addition to everything inside the Horizon App Management bundle. And then the uh, you know our obviously our, our Citrix um, shops, they actually won't. Wouldn't probably wouldn't want to just go in and, and purchase Horizon Enterprise unless they were looking to to replace their current Citrix um, VDI and published app environment. So that's why we created this bundle specifically at a good um, you know good price point for them to to enter and take a look at how these technologies can help enhance or optimize their environment. Okay, very good. Um, so I think the the one last thing that we haven't really talked about yet is sort of the uh, technology to, to manage, um, you know, desktops, laptops, you know, end user devices, uh, you know, and that, that technology is called Mirage. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Absolutely. And this is, this one's actually more near and dear to me because I, I came across uh, with the Mirage product into VMware. So I know it um, pretty pretty well. Um, I think it's it also kind of rounds out our story of, of desktop management as a whole. So we have you know, Horizon, our Horizon platform, to really help deliver on-prem um, virtual desktops as well as published applications um, since last year. We have Horizon Air that can help deliver desktops and published apps as a service, so from the cloud. And now um, we also, as part of Horizon just in general, we also have um, Mirage that's able to help manage physical PCs. So we realize that customers out there, if they're not shifting to complete desktop virtualization, maybe they still have a fleet of physical laptops and desktops that they want to manage. And that's where Mirage really helps us round out that story. So there are um, anybody listening on the on this podcast, if if you have you know a fleet of physical desktops that you're currently managing with let's say SCCM or homegrown solution, or you're not managing at all, then that's where Mirage can really help and help come in and 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 you know save the day for you when it comes to physical PC management. Um, it is available either standalone or as part of Horizon Enterprise and Advanced as well. And what it's really meant to do is give you that same benefits of centralized image management that you get with VDI, but then taking that and extending it to physical PCs. And we've also entered a new market in, in POS devices. So if you're a retail shop, healthcare, uh, financial services, you have you know ATMs or branch offices, Mirage is exactly designed for that. So any distributed types of environments that you want to easily manage images on. We're talking about OS updates, OS patches, application updates, installing brand new applications, rolling back if you need to, disaster recovery, OS migration. All of these are great use cases that Mirage really fits in for us and has been helping us out uh, for the past few years. So the way that I like to think about it is you know, VMware obviously is a virtualization company. You kind of uh, go down the, the, the pillars of VMware and if you go down end user computing, you have yourself desktops and mobile device or mobile application management. If you go down desktop, you really have, do you want to go down VDI route or published applications? Do you want it as a service or do you still have physical machines in your environment? And maybe you have a combination of all of these or you have a need um, to manage all of these different types of devices. We can actually help you all the way from virtualization all the way out to physical. Well, that that also sounds pretty cool. So one one of the questions that I'm thinking about is around, you know, have, having all these these devices managed centrally. But what about, uh, especially like when you started talking about uh, point of sale systems, uh, POS systems, like how to how to do all that remotely and you know synchronization of images and deployment of images, you know, across things like WAN links and VPN, you know. It, what what enables us to really do that? So the nice thing about Mirage is that uh, because it was built specifically for distributed environments, we have bits and pieces in there that are very intelligent when it comes to uploading and downloading. So uh, I'm sure many people have heard about deduplication, and we actually take that dedupe um, concept and apply it inside of Mirage. So what we can do is, let's say you have you know, your centralized office in Palo Alto. That's where your, your main IT hub is. That's where your, your workers are for the most part. But then also you have another hub, let's say out in New York and another one in Chicago. And let's say there's only maybe 20 or 30 employees in each, each branch. Whether it's PCs or POS devices, um, it really doesn't matter to us. What we're going to do is we're going to install a, a small, um, what we call a branch reflector in each of those Chicago and New York offices. This does not have to be a dedicated machine at all. It can, it can be some, somebody's laptop or somebody's POS device. And we'll actually use that almost like a mini Mirage server where if we need to download images or application bits or updates down into Chicago or New York, we'll actually only download it once to that branch reflector. Then that branch reflector will actually feed all of the rest of the uh, desktops or POS devices inside of that specific branch. And then when it comes to uploading back to the data center in Palo Alto, that's actually also deduped as well. So we're not going to upload you know, the same bits over and over and over again. We're going to intelligently figure out, okay, has Microsoft Word already been uh, backed up to Palo Alto? 
is the Microsoft Word document already backed up to Palo Alto. And we won't only take a look at just what's on that machine, we'll actually take a look at the entire global, what we call global manifest. So we have this file that we keep that really gives us indication, okay, if Adam is out in Chicago and Sachin's out there too, and they're actually uploading, they have the same exact file that they're uploading back over to the data center, then only one person's file should be uploaded and in only one time. Unless there are any changes, at that point, only the changes would be uploaded. And of course, IT can sync this um, however frequently they want. Well, that definitely sounds pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. What about things like operating system upgrades, application patching, things like that? Is that, are those similar from a dedupe perspective that we're only pushing, you know, the bits that we need and, you know, how simple is it for uh, uh, an IT administrator to push out like a window, well, you know, maybe not Windows 10 yet, but Windows 8.1 upgrades? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty simple as well in terms of uh, Mirage and, and the way the Mirage works. Um, when it comes to physical PCs, what we're going to do, and POS devices as well, we're actually going to download um, the, let's say you're going from Windows 7 to Windows 8.1. We're going to download the Windows 8.1 image down into the uh, endpoint in the background. So while the user continues to work, they're not affected at all while this is being downloaded. And at the same time, we're actually going to take a look at what are the common components between Windows 7 and Windows 8.1. We'll only download whatever the differences are in the background, and then once that's done, we'll ask for a reboot. After the reboot, we'll go through what we call a pivot phase. And this pivot phase is where all the magic really happens. Um, it's a downtime of about 15 to 30 minutes. Um, you know, you go get a cup of coffee, or go to lunch, you come back, and you have yourself a Windows 8.1 instance that's, that's available. Also, the beauty of it is that we can store snapshots of these physical machines at the data center. So if anything bad happens during that migration process, let's say I get a blue screen or there's a bunch of files or applications missing, you can actually revert to snapshot within Mirage so that you can revert back to Windows 7. So we saw a huge play with this when uh, XP was going out of support in April of 2014. You know, a lot of customers came to us asking us for help with this, and, and we delivered on, on you know, numerous large projects, small projects. Um, w because of the ease of Mirage, they actually saw the benefits that they could use Mirage for migration of XP to 7, and then later on continued to use Mirage for disaster recovery and image management. We haven't seen much of an uptick because, you know, a lot of folks actually aren't even going to Windows 8.1. Um, we, I think I can... In my opinion, you know, people will probably just move straight to Windows 10, but even that will take, you know, a little bit of time. So speaking of Windows 10, when can we expect Windows 10 support Mirage? So we're actually looking at that right now. Um, we just released Mirage 5.5 uh, last week, actually. And that one, it really had a lot of um, more enterprise image management capabilities like self-service, um, tools in it, uh, local provisioning options, more control around bandwidth and whatnot, but no, no real big splash. It was really a minor release. And now, you know, I've been talking to PM lately, and we're taking a look at uh, what we want to do from a Windows 10 standpoint. Whether we want to support image management for it, or whether we want to just maybe make a push for Windows 7 to Windows 10 migration. Um, we also have you know, AirWatch as part of our portfolio, and they do a great job at managing. Um, MDM, so mobile devices, and with the Windows 10 coming out, uh, you know, Microsoft has stated that uh, they want more of an EMM play when it comes to managing Windows 10 devices, and that's where I think AirWatch will actually fit in better, but we're really trying to figure out, well, well, with Mirage, you know, what can we do to use its bits at least to help people migrate to Windows 10, and then, you know, further, maybe there will be some more synergy between AirWatch and, and Mirage going forward. That's really interesting. Um, so one one other thing that I've, well, I, I don't know. It's been a while since I heard this, and I'm just curious if it's still a thing, going to be a thing, or probably never going to be a thing. But there was talk at one point about some integration between Mirage and Vue and being able to sort of manage Vue desktops in a similar way that you would manage a physical endpoint. Uh, is, is that still the case, or is that kind of have there been some some pivots in the way we're we're headed? There there has been some pivots. So I think um, geez, it must have been either 
a year or actually probably a little bit longer, maybe about two years ago, is when we really started looking at Intuit. And, and we first came out with support of Mirage on full clone virtual desktops. Um, but we soon realized that just because of the way that Mirage works in terms of there's an agent that's installed on the virtual desktop and the agent requires some sort of IOPS for it to run in the background, it wasn't really a good fit um, when it came to managing virtual desktops. And so I think that's where, you know, when we introduced technologies like user environment manager and app volumes, um, it helped ease a lot of the management capabilities or problems and challenges that folks were seeing so that we didn't have to continue to go down the route of trying to really, you know, stick Mirage into every single virtual desktop. So we kind of pivoted away from that, and now the focus is, you know, whenever I think physical, I think Mirage. Okay. So I think that um, that pretty much covers everything. I did want to sort of ask one question uh, as, as we're wrapping up at the end of the top of the hour here. You know, we, we talked, you know, just to kind of review for everybody, we talked about app volumes, we talked about user environment manager, Mirage, and then the Horizon Application Management Bundle. For you, Sachin, you know, I, I know you're, you're close to Mirage uh, because that's where you came from, but what, what about all of this gets you most excited, do you think, for, for the future of, of, you know, VMware's end user computing portfolio? I think just the fact that we're, you know, blatantly stating that we're, we're not just supporting Horizon is something that's, that's really exciting for me. Um, when we can go out there and say, look, we want to help uh, Citrix environments, Zenapp and Zen Desktop, I think it's, it's, it's huge for us um, to be able to, to help Citrix shops like that. Um, so that's one side of the house. And then the other side is really, um, I think the, the entire, to see how AirWatch is, is going to be folded into our, our desktop portfolio is going to be really interesting. I know, you know we, we did mention Project A Squared at VMworld about a month and a half ago. And that was, that was really exciting just to see you know, Sanjay and Noah up on stage being able to demonstrate something like that. And now we're really starting to get into the weeds of you know, how, how can we accomplish that with both app volumes and, and uh, AirWatch moving forward into this new shift of you know, are people actually going to be adopting Windows 10 and how fast are they going to be adopting? So far, it seems like it's pretty fast. Um, you know, I think they have a good strategy, but um, it'll be really interesting to see where we land um, inside of uh, the entire Microsoft and Windows 10 play with, uh, with the app volumes and AirWatch. All right, very good. Well, Eric, I think, uh, I think we're going to conclude the, uh, the podcast oh, unless you great. have anything to... Uh... I, got, I got a couple of follow-ups, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll almost stop there. I've got two minutes left. So, uh, Sachin, where, where are you on Twitter? Where can people learn more about this stuff? Do you want to pimp any kind of address or at least your own Twitter handle? Sure. My Twitter handle is Sachin, S-A-C-H-I-N, underscore D, underscore Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A. Um, I'm always updating on there for any of the releases that I manage, including Mirage, App Volumes, our Horizon App Management Bundle, and User Environment Manager, as well as just Horizon in general. So you can definitely find me on there. Um, you know, VMware.com, I manage all the product pages on there. So if you want to visit any of our end-user computing portfolio um, product pages on the desktop side, um, that's definitely something I encourage, as well as YouTube videos. We have a ton of YouTube videos out there that are very small, um, you know, two or three-minute videos for introductions into these products, as well as technical videos. So I highly encourage you to visit that as well. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Adam, what's your Twitter handle? So mine is EK79, that's E-C-K-7-9. So if anybody wants to look me up. Yep. Very nice. Excellent. Excellent. Well, great, great, great talk. I learned a little bit. That's, that's cool. Still doesn't solve my Apple problems, but uh, I would say that I am going to go Windows 10 and looking forward to it. It's great virtualization stuff for the desktop. Really like it. Uh, we got a show scheduled for next week as well. I'm looking for it, but I don't see it, so I guess I won't be able to pimp any of the show for next week. But we are on next week, so... Thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, guys for doing a great show. And we'll see everybody again next week. We're recording in Barcelona, uh, so we won't be recording live, but we'll be publishing the show. So um, 342 will be recorded in Barcelona and then published. You can listen to it live stream off of TalkShoe. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for the show. Great show. Uh, I will hit the big red stop button now. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.